0: Again, James Christensen. We were going to have a special guest from Warfire's Garden, but um, the individual we were going to interview had to cancel, so we're going to do a second interview with James Christensen, and tonight I just might put him on the spot, and then I might not. He's just going to have to be surprised. Welcome to my campfire, Jim.
1: Well, thank you, Kate. It's great to be back. It seems like just last week. Does it? Yeah.
0: Well, imagine that. Every
1: every time we get together, it's just like yesterday.
0: And just wait till next week. Then it's
1: you and Caleb. Well, at least I've got backup next time.
0: (laughs) Oh, I think him and I will be ganging up on you. I mean, anyway, um, we have plans, but you also know that I haven't been able to contact him. So, you know, we don't have too, too many plans. The first interview that we did, we talked about archaeology because you're an archaeologist and we talked about um, bomb teching because you're, you are also an unexploded ordnance bomb tech. Well, tonight we are going to talk about survival in the wilderness.
1: Yay! Yes!
0: And we're going beats to start. It beats what?
1: Beats the alternative.
0: And what is the alternative?
1: Not surviving in the wilderness. Well,
0: yes, I would say that beats the alternative. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. So what Uh gear do you prefer? Let's start with like tents down to sleeping bags. Do you sleep on a cot, which would be like awkward and heavy as you're backpacking? But, you know, some people want to take the mattress with them. What kind of gear do you like?
1: Well, that really depends on what I'm doing. If I'm backpacking, obviously, I'm going to do a lot different than car camping. If I'm car camping, well, I like uh, I do like my comfort. I can afford to have, uh, you know, 25 pounds of sleeping gear and a teddy bear. But <laughs> if, uh, obviously, if you're backpacking, you know, some things have to change. Um, I, I found that, I, you know, when I first started off going out, camping and whatnot i carried a lot more stuff and if i'm car camping that's pretty easy to get into pretty easy but uh, for backpacking purposes well i'm carrying minimal minimal gear if there is a tent involved oftentimes i don't unless i need privacy um it's going to be an ultralight tent i think you saw that one that i had with me last time i visited you and um I could really, I'd really like to go a lot lighter than that. Um, But weight and size, I really try to, I try to save, I do things a little bit different with my packing. Um, A lot of people will buy the smallest pack they can comfortably carry all their gear in and they've got it all stuffed up. My goal is to leave about 25% of dead space in my pack at all times, if possible. And I'll get into that in a little bit, but that requires me to keep a lot smaller stuff. So I'm working on getting in a smaller sleeping bag. I've got a smaller sleeping pad, smaller stove setups, all those things, trying to just shrink it down for backpacking purposes.
0: I need to send you a list of the gear that I have because my tent is only like five ounces. It is seven Uh feet long but it yes. is only five ounces and it is definitely a one person tent, but with it being seven feet long and I'm only five foot seven, I think that I have a little bit of space at the bottom for my gear in case. It rains. Um, and Ooh. it is, it is a four season tent. That's so, nice.
1: Now does it have the conventional pole set up or is it one you have to use trekking poles on
0: No, It's the conventional pole. It only has two, two pole set up. Um, Mm-hmm. I, I used it for the first time just this week, and I loved it. It was awesome. And yeah, I saw I, a picture
1: of that. It was pretty yeah, nice. nice.
0: It, it what's the, it's it's a nice little tent. Um, it's orange. I would have preferred like green or brown or earth tone color, but hey, that's the only color they had was orange, so I got orange. Um, the Snug Pack, the sleeping bag that you recommended that I get, Mm -hmm. oh my gosh. I thought I was not going to like it. It is very lightweight, it is very small and compact and I'm thinking this is not going to be very warm. And it was already like 69 degrees that night um, in bear country and I'm thinking I'm gonna die in this sleeping bag, I'm gonna be a bear burrito. And it got cold about three o'clock in the morning. It started chilling right on down. And the, the, the Snug Pack, that is what it's called. And it's called the Traveler by Snug Pack. It unzips on both sides so you can make it into like a quilt. Oh, my gosh. It was so comfortable. It was like just the right temperature. It was perfect, so I thank you for that recommendation. It was awesome.
1: Yeah, one of my problems with gear right now is that I have so much stuff from, you know, 20, 30 years of collecting gear and finding what works, what doesn't, whatever. I've had to give a whole bunch of it away, just to have. Well, you can give it away
0: for- my way, so I can use it, and then I can promote the product well, if I like it.
1: All this stuff is so antiquated by this time. Things have just made, have gone by leaps and bounds. Right now, the packs that people are using for through hikes on the AT, they're calling a pack that weighs, well, over two, it has to be under two pounds to be considered ultralight, and anything over three pounds is considered heavyweight. The materials and whatever, like with uh, Cubex, the Cubex fabric is, is pretty tough and pretty uh very very light it feels it feels cheap it's almost like a painter's suit like like cheap tyvek but i don't know a friend of mine he was running that one when i was on the at with him last time and
0: and for those of you that want to know what the at is that's the appalachian trail that's a through hike of about 1700 miles okay go ahead yeah it starts, yeah. I think, I think I think it starts in southern Georgia and ends in northern Maine.
1: Yeah, and if you want to tack on the Florida Trail, it starts right there in Georgia, basically heads all the way south. You can make it a 2,700-mile thru-hike if you're miserable. Uh,
0: I don't think I want to be that miserable.
1: You sure? We should do it.
0: Uh, yeah, right, yeah, you can get right on that and tell me how how you did. Yes.
1: All right, you know, yeah, chicken uh, Anyway. Babe. But yeah, I mean, so much of my gear is now that I look at it, it was you know it was high end back then. I can only imagine what things are going to be looking like in 20 years. They can't get any lighter and still hold together. Um, but a lot of my gear, though, I, I do tend toward a lot of the heavier stuff, your heavier fabrics like Cordura. I don't know if I'm ever going to be able to get away from that, just because, well, working in in archaeology or unexploded ordnance one of my my big gripes is I get dirt in everything and that grit just eats apart a lot of the synthetic fabrics it gets in, into the weave and it starts blowing cheaper packs out and I don't think that a lot of this the uh, the ultralight gear is really able to take the punishment of uh, that you go through doing field science it's fine for somebody who's hiking you know one weekend a month, at the most, uh, over the course of a year versus somebody who's putting 40, 80 hours a week on their gear has totally different, uh, totally different mentalities as far as the way that. So gear that type is of material
0: would not stand up to, to like the Appalachian trail or the Centennial trail or the Pacific trail.
1: I don't know. Um, people are doing it, but I also know that some of them are going through multiple packs in a season. And they're spending three hundred dollars on a pack, if you're going through three packs in a season, you're pushing a thousand dollars just on backpacks. And I don't know. They've done away with zippers completely on their ultralight packs. Say they've what? Away, yeah, no zippers. The, the what new do they stuff do? S- they don't have a, snap
0: together or something. Velcro. They,
1: they all have they all have drawstrings, shock cord. Um, a lot of them don't even have a pack belt anymore. There's no frame. They've minimalized them to the point where it's it's no longer just kids cutting off their uh, the handles on their toothbrushes to try and save weight. These things are getting lighter and lighter and crazier. So Wow. Yeah, I, I started thinking, well, I need to get serious on ultralight, more ultralight gear and see what's out there and wow. Well, I think Ooh, I'll keep my
0: packs. I'm not I I can do the ultra yeah. light gear like the tents and the sleeping bags and, and stuff like that. But I'm I, I agree with you. I think the packs need to have some sustainable structure. Um I'm not endorsed and I don't do not believe that Jim is endorsed by any product um that we mention on here yet. I mean, we're not endorsed by them, but I do um The two packs that I use the most is Kelty and Maxpedition. And when I packed my Kelty, I unpacked it and packed the same gear in the Maxpedition, which is a smaller pack. And I could not understand how all of my stuff could fit tightly in this large Kelty pack, but be compact in my small Maxpedition pack and still weigh the same. So it was like a learning experience for me. But both of those packs are very well-made, and I am not afraid that if I fall down a cliff or fall down a mountain and I hit a rock with one of those packs that it's going to split and my gear goes everywhere.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm mostly using right now Source and Osprey. Well, I tried Source. Well, well, you got a counterfeit.
0: I did. I did. It has the Source logo. I had the Source logo, okay. and I, I I got a Source pack for Christmas, and I bought a Source pack for someone for Christmas, and we compared the packs, and then I showed them to you, and you went, "Oh, uh, uh-uh, uh, that's not a Source pack." Right. So, and you contacted what? You you contact contacted Source and told them, "Hey."
1: Yeah, my contact called them, and then they called their folks, and then their folks. Let's just say that somebody on Amazon is going to be getting a meeting from some uh, ex-Massad agents here pretty soon. Whoopsie. Hate it when that happens. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Just so everybody knows, the source, S-O-U-R-C-E, that pack is the original packs are made in Israel. And the packs that we purchased for Christmas were not made in Israel. They were made in China. And when we received the packs, we were surprised that they were made in China and they were much smaller than what was advertised. And we were not happy. We were not amused with the, I mean, these packs are not cheap. Um, We were not amused. So of course, you know, we had to contact Jim because Jim is the one who told us about Source uh, last year. And so we contacted him and showed it to him when last time he visited the ranch and he was like, oh, no, 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 Kate. That is not a source pack. Here, let me show you what a source pack looks like.
1: Yeah, and then you're like, I want that one. (laughs) You can't have it, it's not mine.
0: He would not give me his source
1: pack, yeah. it, it It really pays, especially with anything tactical or survival or even backpacking anymore. There are so many companies out there that are scamming folks on counterfeit. I see counterfeit material all the time from shooting gear to, well, in this case, backpacks, tents. And some of those Chinese folks are really pretty, uh, those companies are really pretty good at making counterfeits. Um, The knife industry is especially prone to it right now. And there's probably a week doesn't go by, I don't see something counterfeit mean you know somebody on a chat group online talking about is this legit and the answer is oftentimes no if you have to ask it probably isn't oh, but yeah wow. i can't say good enough good things about source uh their their customer service is excellent their um their response is really good they've got a a small selection of things that work and they're right now they're uh they've been picked up by the uh the british md mm-hmm for most of their infantry units now so they're they're they started off just doing recreational backpacking stuff and then they moved into the military aspect and they're really kicking butt so you can expect to see them around more but make sure you buy from a legitimate um, authorized vendor that's even if the price is, if the price what? is to be true it
0: amazon's is. not legitimate. Well, <gasps> tell me it isn't so
1: it can be, but you know, <laughs> your, cute, your, your cute little dog is rolling around on the floor, playing with a bone, and farting, and you get distracted. I understand.
0: Right, that my yeah. cute little big dog yeah. got it. Okay. Ah, huh, okay. No,
1: I mentioned one thing, one thing. I like to do about about packing a pack is I do like to keep twenty five uh, percent about of dead space open on a pack so my packs i typically will buy one that's a size or two larger than what I, what I really think i need and the reason for that is if i'm out hiking with or working with another person and they get sick they get injured whatever happens i can i can lighten their load and put it in my pack that way we're not having to abandon gear in an emergency and i can also take on and take off a rain jacket, a layer, whatever, and pop it into my pack without thinking about it. I don't have to sit there and do a dance and roll it up and get it stash someplace. And then the third thing is, in the dark, I can rummage around a partially empty pack a lot easier than one that's crammed all the way full to the top. So I really do like having that extra dead space on there the problem with it is, is that I do need to have the compression straps on the side to keep from having an empty bag flopping all over hell and back, So straps weigh weight. They they do add weight. One time I took a pack and decided to make it a little bit lighter, I cut off all the extra webbing that I didn't need. I shaved a half pound off of a pack just taking off excess webbing. Jeez. Half pound. That's a problem I have with a lot of the uh, the tactical packs. Is there, it looks like the Molly Monster just threw up all over him and put Molly on every flat surface, and that's a lot of extra weight. If you don't use it, don't buy it. Well, um, I
0: was thinking about the question that you asked about the Maxpedition pack that has all the Molly webbing on it, and yeah. I have I have little pouches from Maxpedition that. Attach to that molly webbing as well as my IFAC, which is an individual first aid kit for those who don't know what an IFAC is. Um, my IFAC attaches to the webbing so I do not have to waste the space on the inside of my pack by putting in my IFAC. Um, mm-hmm. the, I, I believe that's why the molly webbing is all over the, uh, that particular tactical backpack.
1: It's exactly why it's on there. Uh, and they don't know how people are going to use it. But once you have a configuration on your pack set up that, you know, this is what you're going, you know, you're married to that setup. That's what you're going to use. Don't be afraid to start cutting off things you're not going to use. Did you Make just
0: sure use the M word?
1: You used Made. the
0: M word, married.
1: We <gasps> use that word, didn't I? And oh, I'll, you are I'll, so fired. Well, I mean, you know, it's not to say you can't. Di- I've divorced myself from a lot of packs.
0: Too. <laughs> a, there
1: you I, go. It's kind of like, it's like serial monogamy with the contract.
0: Ah, uh, okay.
1: Uh, yeah. But I do fall in love with a lot of packs, but Osprey has been really good to me. I've got to say that's probably one of my favorite Really? Packs. That's, that's another sure. issue is that just like boots. What works for your foot might not work for my foot, even if the size is right. The last on boots is different. So just because I really like a solo because of the way they're cut doesn't mean that I'd recommend a solo to anybody until they know that they work for them. Same thing with backpacks. Every pack has a little different fit to it. Um, Kelty, I like their fit.
0: I've never tried an Osprey. Um, I've not heard bad things about them, uh, mm-hmm. but I've just never tried them.
1: I have, uh, my my build is tall and lanky. I'm fairly big in the shoulders and fairly little in the waist. Fairly. And so, okay, I only have a 34-inch waist, okay? Tiny. Tiny, tiny, like ballerina tiny. But <laughs> so I need, a, I need a pack that fits a, you know a normal frame uh, shoulder width, but that comes together and focuses that low down on my hips. So Osprey fits that build very well, fits a lighter athletic build as opposed to, I think, uh, low, they used to fit uh, heavier frame folks, Mountain Smith, I'm dating myself here, Um, but Kelty used to also only fit heavier folks wider folks than me but they've all they've switched a lot of their frames around so what used to work for somebody with with calte may not fit them anymore what a pack that didn't used to fit me well might fit me really well now so the with the outdoor gear things are constantly on the on the change as companies change hands or they explore new markets or even new distributors for materials
0: there are two packs that I have not been able to find since I purchased. Um, I have a 25-year edition of Kilti. It is an internal-external frame. Um, mm-hmm. You can you can take the external frame off and use it and still have an internal frame pack. Um, I still have that pack. It is heavy. Good Lord. And that's unfilled yes. with goodies. But it, it is a heavy pack. And another pack that I have not been able to find is a day pack that you can stuff into a fanny pack. So oh. it it was it was made by Kelty, and I still have have not been able to find it. Um a friend of mine
1: I think they do. I'm sorry. I think they do. They make them in China and so I'm, never mind. Oh hush. <laughs> Go ahead.
0: <laughs> no, um a friend of mine used that particular pack. It was a um it's a three-pocket fanny pack, and one of the pockets, you can stuff the the, uh, the day pack, backpack portion into that, and the the straps into one of those packet, pockets, and then when you wanted to pack more stuff, like for a, a day hike or something, you can pull that out and fill it up with your goodies. A friend of mine used that. Uh, he was a triathlete and he got hit by a car and the car landed on his pelvic area, right where the pack, the fanny pack portion was. I believe that if he would not have had that on at the time, he would have been crushed. Um, but I never saw that pack again. Cause it was destroyed and I wanted another one and I can't find one because I do not believe they make them anymore. And I do not know why, because that was an amazing pack. I loved that thing. That was my favorite pack out of all the packs that I've had. That was my favorite. Um, But getting down to inside the tent gear, um, if I had my gear in front of me, because this one was a spur of the moment interview, I would have had my gear sitting in front of me so I could tell everybody what all my um, gear is. But this last trip that I did in the woods, I had a blow-up air mattress and a blow-up pillow. I recommend that if you have a blow-up pillow, um, either make a pillowcase or purchase a pillowcase and wrap it around it because that pillow was incredibly uncomfortable because it was like a plasticky, meshy thing, and it was just uncomfortable to use without a pillowcase. Uh, But the mattress, they both held air very well. But I preferred my old air mattress that I use. I forget what it's called. Um, and it's a brand name. Um, the air mattress that you purchased for me the, the last time you were at the ranch, um, that's mm-hmm. a seven-foot air mattress. And it fit perfect inside my seven-foot tent. And Thanks. oh, it was, it, it was really nice. Only it was, it was heavy and bulky.
1: Oh, that's and, that orange one.
0: That that's the it matched my tent beautifully. I'm not
1: gonna get for a sleeping deer anytime soon.
0: Oh, uh, right. Well, see. Um, so I think I'm going to go back to the um, the blow up air mattress that I had prior. The one that I have prior is a uh, brand name one that everybody uses, and I cannot remember the Edward. name. I'm sorry.
1: I think you've got. a thermal. I think you've got a thermarest.
0: Thermarest. Exactly. I have a thermarest. And I did bring that here with me. So, my next excursion that I go out, I will be taking the thermarest. It's only like a five foot uh, long thermarest, but it is lighter.
1: I'll tell you, that climate that I bought, even though it looks like an accident waiting to happen, it's done me pretty well so far.
0: Like is, but that, then again, is, is that like the one that, that you bought me?
1: Uh No, it's the it's the one that, that you saw, the blue one that has those yeah, yeah. cut out of it. It's okay, like yeah? a waffle. Uh-huh. That's in the super light, and it, it works really well. The problem is it's got all those darn seams. Seams are where it breaks, so we'll just have to see how long it lives. Ah,
0: yeah. Right then,
1: at least in time, like what, four what days kind of- in.
0: What kind of boots do you
1: wear? I almost explicitly wear a Solo uh, uh, brand, and I stick toward mostly a heavy-duty hiking or light-duty backpacking uh, boot. I've gone with the heavier backpacking boots, but they're a little too heavy for what I need. Um but you do need it the more weight that you're carrying, the heavier boot that you do need to be able to support it. And then, for timber work i I wear fire boots, wildland fire boots made by whites. Another good brand is NYx, but those are heavy stacked leather they're they weigh about five five pounds each.
0: So. I used to wear Georgia boots Georgia. Georgia ranch boots. I love them. They are so comfortable. Um, but I do not wear them anymore to go hiking in. Um, they give me incredible ankle support. Um, Mm -hmm. since, since one of my missions, one of my ankles was, was broken. And, um, we will not get into that, but, um, it never grew back properly because it was Mm -hmm. never set properly because I was two weeks into the mission and, uh, long story short, I now use—I um, do not even know the name of this shoe, but it's a—it's a hiking walking shoe. Mm-hmm. And Becca like I said, "I wish I had my gear all laid out." Um, but I wore these shoes um, this last time I went on this trail this last week, and the trail is is classified as a moderate trail. Um, so it was not very difficult to hike. The individual that, that was with me, um, she is six foot tall, a very, very tall lady, and hefty, queen size, and the trail was difficult for her. We kind of moved it at a snail's pace, so she could, this was her second time to go camping, so we wanted to make it a positive experience for and she had on just regular walking tennis shoes and we made it down and back up very nicely in those shoes i do not think that i would want to walk the full 33 to 35 mile hiking trail on this particular trail in those shoes because i do not think that they would last
1: right yeah one thing to keep in mind with loyalty to brands when it comes to boots is like i said with the lasts that a last that works for me now maybe in a few years they change that last and it just no longer works for me i had that that happened to me with low but not low uh vasque i used to wear Vasque sundowners all the time that was my favorite boot and then they changed the last couldn't wear them anymore i was pretty disappointed in that that's when i switched to a solo another problem is is that your feet change over time uh i wear size 13 feet at size 13 boots and i started off life with size 13 a's really really narrow and skinny just basically cross-country skis and then through hiking for a long long time they gradually gradually expanded out and now I wear size 13 Ds. So I went from an A width to a D wow. width. But the problem is, is that because your metatarsals, your, your toe bones, they're what splay out over time. Your heel doesn't, it doesn't compress. And so I have A width heels and D width feet. And what that can do is really contribute to uh, blister movement in your heel. So I have to be looking for a specific insole, I have to be looking for a specific last. I have to be pretty particular about what I wear for hiking.
0: Wow. Well, but it's hard to come up with a a hiking boot that fits, you would think.
1: Um there's a pretty good pretty good range out there. Just want to go to a good store and take a look. You don't know, a lot of big mistake a lot of people make is they go online they're just getting started hey what's a good boot and they get nailed with all of these really good name brands but they don't know what will actually fit them and uh, that's that's been one thing that i mean it takes a lot of trial and error to figure it out and if folks online it doesn't work out well find a good manufacturer that works for you and then maybe then you can start bargain hunting but that's my best advice on that
0: So basically, if you do find something that works, buy another pair. So when one pair wears out, you have the other pair, and you do not have to worry about continuing to try to find a pair.
1: That's amazing advice. Or also, if you're wearing boots all the time, Uh, like when I was working nonstop, a lot of times I'd I'd have two pairs of boots, identical boots, and wear one pair one day, one pair the next. That gives them a break in between. Of course, there I'm staying in a base camp or staying in a hotel setting so it's easy for me to do that can't really do that backpacking but if you give boots a day's rest in between wearing so well sure
0: you could give it a a rest when you're hiking you could take okay okay this is what i
1: do walk barefoot half the time i'm sorry well you you go barefoot half the time i got
0: it no i have a pair of water shoes
1: oh
0: and so if I come across a stream or a lake or something that I'm hiking around, I will take a day off of hiking, and I'll just spend the time in the water to give my boots a rest. So I use the water shoes to play in the water mm-hmm. as an all-dayer.
1: That's, that's just cuter than a box full of kitten noses right there.
0: <laughs> oh, God, you are so- so bad kitten noses
1: huh Uh
0: -huh. okay um yeah it's it's um it definitely helps and the water shoes are incredibly light they are maybe like one ounce so and you do not have to worry about getting your socks wet but you can also take your day when you're not hiking and you're at the water you can take your day to do your laundry um get yourself cleaned up Air out your boots, air out your other personal necessities, and before you go on your hike for the next excursion until you hit another water source.
1: Hmm. You know, one thing a lot of people don't think about is waterproofness of boots. And they uh, think, oh, well, having feet is horrible. And I want something with Gore-Tex and I want to treat the snot out of it. And I want it to be completely encapsulated I want my feet to be entombed. That can really be a horrible trap for people to get get caught up in. I've seen I've had a lot of nasty cases of foot rot and my toenails look like Yoda's. It's not a good thing. And a lot of times having a more breathable boot is much preferable to having something waterproof, Ab- especially in places Absolutely. like swamps.
0: Absolutely. I I have a pair <laughs> of Gore-Tex boots that I've had for like 30 years, literally. I think I've worn them. They still look brand new. I think I've worn them like three times because I was not amused with hiking in them. They are a hiking boot, um, but they did not allow my feet to breathe Mm -hmm. and I'm one of these people that if my feet get too hot and I am too hot I'm miserable and if my feet get cold then I'm cold and I am miserable and I like my feet to breathe I think that's why I've been walking around in these types of hiking tennis shoes is because they breathe and if my feet get wet if I want to cross the creek um, to get to the other side of the trail and to walk that trail, then these shoes dry out quickly.
1: You know, but another thing to consider on that, on the flip side, is what works well, you know, you're hiking a lot of arboreal forests with mostly limestone or other sedimentary rocks. Yes, there, uh, a fabric mesh slash leather upper can hold up pretty well. But if you were hiking a lot out in the desert, say, with sagebrush and creosote brush and things like that, all those stitches get ripped to shreds. Yes. I took a uh, pair of, um, well, I mentioned, low earlier, one of the lines they called sundowners, and they had... They are light hiking uh, sundowners that were fabric, leather, mesh, and they were nice boots. And at the time, very expensive. And in six weeks, I completely destroyed them in sagebrush, just ripped all the stitching out. And they fell to pieces. Oh wow! So that's
0: good advice.
1: Yeah. But on on four on trails like you're used to, it's not that big of a deal. But if you're hiking with a lot, like in Hawaii or you know, southern Idaho, where you've got a lot of volcanic rock, that's another thing to consider is what, sort of, what type of stone, what's the terrain, what's the vegetation, what does it do to your boots?
0: That's, that's what I like about these different trails, the Appalachian Trail, the Pacific Trail, the Continental Trail, and all of these other trails, is that the terrain is so diverse. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. when, you, when you need to do a restock, uh, when you're doing like a through trail, a a through hike, and for those who don't know, a a through hike is where you start, let's just take the Appalachian Trail, for example, when you start in southern Georgia and you end in May, that's the through hike, you're not just taking it piece by piece. Um, So, say you start in southern Georgia, now now you're talking the swamps, and you need to have the proper gear for uh, Georgia, uh, South Carolina climate, and then you get into the Kentucky and the the West Virginia and the Pennsylvania climates, and those are different than the southern climates. So when you go into town for your restock, you need to send – this is what I found out with a friend of mine who did the Appalachian Trail, is, and when she restocked, was she had a designated place to have gears to. And so she would send her her southern gear home to Alabama and – she would restock with the gear that was sent. So she had the proper gear for the proper climate. Now, a lot of people cannot afford to do that. So uh, I suggest that you do your research on whatever uh, through hike that you want to do, or even if it's just a partial hike on a through trail, do your research on what that terrain is so you have the proper gear. Because if you do not have the right gear, you're going to have a miserable experience.
1: Well, yeah, within reason. People don't need to be so concerned though. Usually people that are getting getting started in this stuff, they're like your friend you just went hiking with. They're not gonna need to go out and drop 1200 or 1500 or $2,000 on gear for that that trip.
0: Oh, absolutely make,
1: not. Uh, you know, a lot of this is trial and error. And like I said, with with my gear collection, there was a point where it was just absolutely ridiculous. I had a small museum of stuff that worked and didn't work and whatever, and I had to I had to pare it down. And uh, I think that when people are beginning, I think it's really easy to get caught up in in any sport or any activity. It's easy to get caught up in having the best and the best and the fanciest equipment.
0: I think it's important. For someone who does not know how to hike and that they've they've only been out two, three, four, five times is to just take, just like I did with my friend, to just take one day and one night and go out mm-hmm. there and see what it's about. So the next time she knows what to leave behind and she knows what to bring. So then instead Boy. of just doing one day out, she wants to do two days out and two nights. So... She's starting to get used to, other than the bear that she saw and it freaked her out, Um, it is bear country here, Uh, I recommend to anybody who, who, who wants to hike is just start out slow. Mm -hmm. Do not just put on a pack and think that you can make a through hike trail, you need to start out slow so your body can acclimatize not only to that pack, but to your body to your feet can acclimatize to the weight of the pack as well as your body as you hike, because it in one week, your body is going to be screaming, holy cow, what are you doing to me. The second week, Mm -hmm. your body is going to be screaming even more because you're going to be utilizing muscles that you do not normally utilize. Mm -hmm. After week three, your body is saying, hey, I think I can handle this. But you have to start out slow.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. You don't want to get burned out. It has to be fun. I think that another thing to, to consider for just about anybody is packing lists. Yeah, a lot of times I've been some and I forgot something, but that packing list is really helpful to prevent that. Mm-hmm. But the other thing to consider is what did you actually use that packing list when you get home? Check off, check off. What did I actually use? And then ask yourself, do I really need to carry those things that I didn't carry? Did I really need to, didn't. I didn't use them. Should I pack them next time?
0: This last time that I went, I packed a tent and a hammock because uh-huh. I really like, um, I have a, a hammock that is made out of um, parachute. It is lightweight and I love it. It's, it's a two-man hammock and uh, you can roll up like a burrito in this hammock I, I really really like it and I thought you know if I do not like this new tent because you know it's a brand new tent maybe I wasn't going to like it then then I can sleep in the hammock I usually do not take both I usually take one or the other but I think the next time I go out and I'm going to stay out for a couple of nights I I, I will take both again just in case like there's something a tree two trees close enough together or far enough apart that I can put my hammock up and I just want to take a nap and I don't want to crawl into a four-season tent and roast. No. Uh, so no. I, I it's, it, it's a preference thing. Um, you, you can have that on your list and check it off of, did I use it? Should I bring it next time? I did not use it this last time, but I am going to bring it next
1: time. Yeah, it's a perfect example i really don't like hammocks all that much myself but then again i come from an area where you may or may not have trees and nothing's ah. as plain as having a hammock a really nice hammock and no trees to hang it on it, it's just yeah it, it's no fun but yeah they are really definitely a lot more comfortable but I can't get over the the whole idea that if an elk or a moose or a bear comes by, I'm just really a pinata for him to spin around and. I can I'm, see I a bear probably... doing
0: that, but a moose and an elk where I am, I do not see that happening. I do not even know if we have elk and moose here. Maybe in your oh, area.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I could br- I can bring a moose next time if you want.
0: Uh no, that's okay. Uh, well, okay, sure.
1: yeah but no you you do have uh you do have elk a little further south of you though
0: for the probably so probably down in the lower states there's some elk Mm -hmm. but i do not think moose i think moose is more in the northern elevations
1: yeah 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 yep i've never seen a moose south of utah actually
0: well that would be different
1: yeah
0: well. Well anyway. Or,
1: anyway. Mormon Moose. I digress.
0: <laughs> That's okay. Um, we are out of time. I know that was a quick hour but we got a late start too. We are out of time and I thank you for coming on on the spur of the moment. I do appreciate oh, no it. Because my Thursday nights like everybody knows my Thursday nights are interview nights and my Sunday nights are survival nights. Um If you had any encouragement to those listening tonight about survival and hiking or anything like that, what would you tell them?
1: Well, I tell them it's really not, it's not that different from your normal life. It seems like this foreign and exotic, exciting thing to a lot of people and seems intimidating, but you're Essentially, all your basic things are still exactly the same. You got to transport yourself by walking. You got to cook yourself dinner. You've got to sleep. You got your other basic bodily functions. Really, outside that, there's not really that much different about camping than living out of a home. It's just you're living out of a backpack, and your tent is your bedroom. Other than that, yeah, there you go. You don't have to worry about if the power goes out. None of
0: that? I cheat. I I cheat. I carry a cigarette lighter. Um, (laughs) And I don't smoke. Um, Well, everyone, this ends the broadcast for me tonight. And I want to thank my special guest, James Christensen, for joining me around the campfire. Um, Jim does not have a website, so I'm not going to ask him, where can we find you? Um, Mm -hmm. Jim is just a good friend. And um, someone who I confide in a lot. And I appreciate him taking the time tonight to spend some time with me. Remember, everyone. Oh, you're welcome. Remember, everyone, train hard and train smart to survive, thrive, and stay alive. And this is Kate signing off. Until next time.